Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. I hope you're praying for those people. Uh, I do want you to also know that there is, there's a Vineyard Church uh, in Kiev, and you can actually find them fairly easy on Facebook, and they've been live streaming worship every single day. I would, I would so love it if this church would find them, join them, and just tell them that you're praying for them, and tell them that you're from here. Tell them that you're from Campbellsville, and, and send them your, your warmest regards, because they are in the middle of it. You know, and we, we want to be those people. Uh, if we can't be there in person, we can at least join online and say, hello, and we're, and we're praying for you, and, and we're thinking about you. And uh, so this is a very big deal. Uh, I, I would also like to suggest, too, that there are vineyard churches in Russia. Uh, you can find many of them on Facebook. You should reach out to them. This is what the Lord would do. Uh, he is working in all kinds of places, and he would have us just to look out and go, well, how can we connect, and how can we pray, and how can we reach out to people who are in many ways caught up in something that they're absolutely not choosing? They're absolutely not choosing. One of the things I think that's coming through for me this week is in the, in the same way that the Ukrainians are not choosing this, many, 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 many Russians, have they, they want no part of this. And so we need to pray that, that God would, that he would just begin to touch hearts and minds. And the thing that I've been specifically praying this week is that people with power would come out of delusion. This is delusional, right? This is just delusional thinking. Let's pray, let's pray that the God who is everywhere all the time and who knows and searches the hearts of men, that he would cause the spirit of delusion to come off of key people, right? I think that'd be a good prayer for us to pick up this week. Real simple. All right. Everybody good? All right. Um, yes. So... Uh, here's what I want to do this morning. I want to start a new series here at the Vineyard. We're going to be doing a few things starting today through the month of March. And what we're really going to be talking about for the next four to five weeks is um, being equipped or being empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the works of ministry. Uh, That is an essential part of our Vineyard history. If you were here uh, for the last few weeks, you know that we've been sort of retelling our story. We've been reinvestigating our story to figure out like, who is it that we've been? Who is it that God has called us to be? And we want to say, well, these are probably the things that he's calling us to be in the future. And, and part of that for us here at the Vineyard is uh, it, we've just always been Holy Spirit people. Uh, we have always been uh, people who, who are welcoming the Spirit, who recognize that the Spirit wants to empower us to do, to do the works of ministry that Jesus did and to live as Jesus in the world. And you can't do that on your own and you can't do it in your own strength. It doesn't come by, by smarts. It doesn't come by uh, effort. It doesn't come by trying real hard. But the, but the works of Jesus and living as Jesus in the world comes by the Spirit of God. And so we've always been Holy Spirit people. And the reason we're Holy Spirit people here at the Vineyard is because we're Bible people. I mean, that's, this is why, because when you read the New Testament, the thing that comes up over and over again is that there's this, this thing called the spirit of God and he rests on people. And when the spirit of God touches a person, things that don't seem normal become normal. And when you read the New Testament, you see that everywhere Jesus went, 
after he was baptized in water and after he was baptized in the spirit, not before, only after, after those baptisms, Jesus went around and he healed the sick. He cleansed the lepers. He drove out demons. He preached good news to the poor. He multiplied food. There was always enough. Uh, he, he was able to endure hardship. These are the, the signs and the evidences uh, that the spirit is touching someone's life. We see it in Jesus not before he was baptized, only afterwards. That's a really big deal. And then, and then not only do we see it in Jesus, but we see in the New Testament that the people who followed Jesus closest, those, those men and women who came near to Jesus that he called, uh, they did the very same things that Jesus did. And you see it over and over in the gospels. Like Jesus would go do all these things. And then there would be these moments where Jesus would be like, well, why don't you guys divide up by twos and go out and, and preach good news to the cities. And I want you to heal the sick, raise the dead, drive out demons and preach good news to the poor. And they would do it. Like they would do it. How did they do it? They did it by the spirit. That's how they did it. And then here's where it gets really interesting for me. Even after Jesus left the planet, even after Jesus ascended to heaven, his disciples continued to do the same things that Jesus did and to live as Jesus in the world. And how did they do it? By the Spirit. That's how they did it. You can't do it on your own. You, you, you got to do it by the Spirit. And so Jesus is like absent in the body. He is present by the Spirit and the disciples do the works of Jesus. Now here's where it gets really good. In Acts chapter 9, disciples of the disciples... This is a really great story. I'm not going to put it on the screen. I'll just tell it to you really quickly. Uh, in the book of Acts, there's two Ananias. There's, a, there's the bad one. Y'all remember him, right? But then there's, the, there's a good one. And the good one doesn't get enough press. You know, that we have this thing in our human minds. We fixate on bad, don't we? You know, you, you, one bad thing and we just, we latch onto it. And the good stuff sometimes gets away from us. But there's a good Ananias in Acts. It's in Acts chapter 9. And in Acts chapter 9, Paul is on his way to Damascus to persecute the church. Jesus shows up, knocks him off his donkey, says, uh, Saul, why are you, why are you persecuting? Y'all remember that, right? He's, and then he's like blind and he's like, he's dumb, he can't move. And some people take him to a room. And it says in the, in the book of Acts, it says in chapter 9, that in, in this area, there was, there was a disciple named Ananias. And, and the, the spirit said to him, hey, my guy, Saul, I want, you to go, I want you to go visit him. He's blinded. He's been persecuting me, but uh, I want you to tell him he, uh, he's my guy now. And Ananias, uh, and the Bible just says he's the disciple. Ananias uh, so gets a word from the spirit, uh, goes to a very specific place, prays for Saul who becomes Paul. The scales, the blindness falls off of his eyes. He baptizes him in water and the spirit. And these are the works and, and, and these are the actions of Jesus in this world. And it's done not by Jesus. It's done not by an original apostle, but it's done by a disciple. And what we see here in Acts chapter nine is that the disciples of the disciples are now doing the works and, and living as Jesus in the world. And they're doing it by the spirit. And then if you study church history, and I don't have time to go into it. I've got some stories here. I'm probably not even going to tell them. But, but if, you, if you just read about the church through the ages, the thing you see over and over again is that disciples, men and women, not famous, uh, not influential, uh, no Instagram, no, no, no currency. People of like very little social currency uh, for the last 2,000 years have been doing the works of Jesus and living as Jesus in this world by the power of the Spirit. 
I mean, you want to read something really cool? You should go read about a prayer meeting where John Wesley, uh, just a few people, you know, cold winter night. uh, Basically, this is what John Wesley says. uh, They were praying till in the middle of the night. And in the middle of the night, he says the spirit touched them and their hearts were strangely warmed, which is like formal Methodist speak for they were waylaid by the Holy Spirit (laughs) in the floor, in the floor. Uh, you also hear, especially at this time in America, uh, Wesley would travel around, and not just him, but the other circuit-riding Methodists would as well, and they would pre- preach on the frontier. And while they were preaching, uh, people would be thunderstruck by the Spirit. Thunderstruck. That's the word they had. What is it? Knocked down under the power of God. That's what it is, right? H- how is this happening? It is by the Spirit. Like this stuff that started with Jesus continued with the apostles and then jumped from the apostles, the disciples of the disciples, and then into church history. And it just, it remains. And it's been a part of our story here at the Vineyard. You know, it's a part of who we are. And that's why we're going to take a month and just say, God, how could we be equipped and empowered with the spirit to live as Jesus in this world? And I just want to, I just want to outline a few things that show up with people who are empowered by the spirit. Uh, number one, they preach good news. They preach good news to the poor, especially. Uh, uh, healing the sick. These are things that happen by the power of the Spirit. Casting out devils. Uh, prophecy. But then there's also things that are less popular. Enduring trials and hardship. This is, this is also part of the message that you have to, that you have to put with the, 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 the empowering of the Spirit. When, when the Holy Spirit begins to touch people you will be able to endure hardship and trials. And in fact, the more we experience the power of the Spirit, the more I can guarantee you God is going to place you into difficult circumstances. It's why you need it. Uh, Enduring trials and hardships. Um, Sharing. Sharing what? Everything. Like a sign of the Spirit's power on a person or on a community is that that community becomes sharing. Uh, Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, the early, the early believers shared everything. They'd sell their property. They would, they would give you the shirt off of their back. Uh, this is what the early Christians did. They shared everything. Why? Because the Spirit had touched them. Uh, demonstrating boldness. This is one of, my, one of my favorite, and it's very, very near to my heart because it's such a part of my own story. And we'll I've told it before, maybe I'll tell it again before the month's over, but when the Spirit touches people, they become bold. They become bold. Uh, not jerks, they become bold. That's, that's, that's important. They become bold. In the, very places, in the very places that the apostles and the disciples were afraid, after being empowered by the Spirit, they become, they become brave. That's what God does. He, he, he wants to touch you and he wants to give you courage. Like the men and women who are written in the scriptures from the Old Testament and the New Testament, one of the themes from the beginning to the end is God's people have courage. God's people have courage. And that doesn't mean they're not afraid. It just means they have more trust in him than they do fear and they move forward. God's people have courage. On and on and on. These are some of the signs of the Spirit And I want to open up that talk this morning by sharing one scripture with you out of Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. And today's message is one I'm calling Gifted. This is what what the good Dr. Luke writes to us in 
Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 8, he says this. Once when he, being Jesus, was eating with them, that'd be the disciples, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. If you can underline anything, underline gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom? They were asking, are, are you going to make Israel great again? That's literally what they're asking. Jesus says, no. He says, the Father alone has authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus in this passage is about to ascend and to leave the ministry to the apostles. And these are some of his final instructions. And this morning, I want to I key in on one verse in particular, and it'll be a prism through which we look at the next few weeks. And I want to look at verse four. And I want to look at that phrase where Jesus says to the disciples, don't leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift that he promised. Underline that word gift. We know from verse five that Jesus is talking about the spirit. And I love that Jesus calls the spirit a gift. There's, there's at least three important things about gifts. And I want you to maybe, if you're taking notes, you can put this down. There's three important things about gifts. Number one, they're given. Uh, number two, they're received. Uh, number three, they're good or they're precious. And then, and then finally, I'm gonna to talk to you this morning about through you and to you. But this is maybe an outline. But when it comes to gifts, they're given, received, and good. And then finally this morning, at the end of this talk, I want to talk about through you and to you. That's a bit of the outline this morning. And to begin, I want to talk to you first about given. A couple things about gifts. Number one, gifts are given. Think about your birthday as a kid. Maybe you're an adult and you still get stoked for your birthday. I'm 43 years old. Can I tell you something? I am 43 years old and I still get excited for my birthday. I love my birthday. And here's, here's why I love my birthday. I, a lot of reasons. Uh, number one, on your birthday, you always, does everybody get birthday breakfast? Isn't it the best? Birthday breakfast is the best. I would rather have birthday breakfast than birthday dinner. That's just me. And then, and then also I get excited on my birthday. Uh, I don't know about you guys. And this is probably not true for everybody here, and I'm sorry, but like I grew up, I grew up with a mother who really made a big deal about our birthday, right? And my mom still buys me birthday presents, and I still get excited because my mom will buy me birthday presents, and I don't get a few birthday presents from my mom. I get many, even now, even now. It's like one of these really, really cool little things. Um, I, just, I just remember as a kid being so stoked, and I, and I still am. You know, when you're a kid, people would come over, and maybe, maybe somebody would make dinner, and then their phone would ring. And then, and then after dinner, you'd open presents from your parents and cousins. Does anybody, is that how it kind of goes? Like, People come over and who is it? It's like, it's like your family mostly, like, right? Like your friends come over, but there's always cousins. At least when I grew up, it was like your cousins came over and you have dinner and people would bring you things. And it's just like the best day of the whole year. 
You know, uh, I remember one time when I, I remember the birthday when I got my BB gun. It was just utterly exhilarating. And I remember one of the first things I did is I went out and I shot it at a tree and the BB bounced right back at me. <laughs> you know, you'll put your eye out. I nearly did. Yeah. Uh, but here's the thing I want you to know about gifts are given. Part of what, part of what that means is, is, that they, is that they come from outside of ourselves. If it's a gift, it's coming, it's coming to you from outside of yourself. Isn't that right? I know this seems really simple, but it's actually a big deal for us in the church. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit is not another name for the good in me. If it's a gift, then it comes from outside of myself. And so because of that, it is not another name for the good inside of me. Uh, the Holy Spirit is not something I discover in me. Instead, he's the gift of the Father. And the given gifts, uh, gifts, if they're given, they reveal love and relationship, don't you? You'd get gifts as a child because you had parents and cousins that you were connected to because they loved you. They, they reveal some other deeper connection. Uh, even at Jesus's baptism, the spirit comes on him, uh, even at Jesus's baptism uh, from outside of himself. Isn't this amazing? The spirit comes on Jesus out of heaven in the form of a dove. And in that moment, the father says to him, you are my beloved son. You make me happy. It, the context is uh, the love of the father and the God that God is saying, you are my son and you make me, you make me glad. If there's a gift, it comes from outside of ourselves. And if there's a gift, there's a giver. And in the case of the spirit, the giver is the father, your father and my father. The spirit is a gift from the heavenly father, your father who loves to give the spirit. That's what Jesus said. And here's what that means. Uh, that means the spirit is not the universe. It means that the spirit is not your truest intention. I want to say that again. The Holy Spirit is not the universe. Do you know why? Because the universe does not love you. The universe cannot love you. The universe is heading toward entropy. The universe is heading towards collapse. The spirit is the gift of the father who loves you. And the spirit is not your truest intention. It's not something you discover inside of you. It is the gift of the Father. Therefore, it comes from outside of you. It is beyond you. It is given to you. And the context is his love and affection over your life. Uh, number two, the Spirit is received. If it's a gift, uh, it's given, but it's also received. Gifts are received. And by the way, receiving, uh, it's all about posture. Gifts are received. Uh, here's what that means. If gifts are received, it means they're not conjured. Uh, gifts are not manufactured. No one manufactures their own gift. Uh, gifts are not earned. Uh, gifts are not paid for. No one pays for their own gift. Gifts are received. And children, children know this without even trying. Children know this without even trying. Every kid loves Christmas and their birthday. And one of the things that makes it so much fun is that a kid knows that he or she they're going to be given gifts. And what's the posture of receiving the gifts of the Spirit? Well, I found that there's a posture, and it's similar to the posture of children receiving gifts from their parents and cousins and friends. And I just want to give you three postures for receiving the gift of the Spirit. 
Number one, expectation. Expectation. Like, if you want to use the word anticipation, that'd be a good one. Kids anticipate their birthday, don't they? Uh, Any parents in the room? When do kids start talking about their birthday? The day after their birthday. That's right. That's right. And when do kids start talking about Christmas? Yeah. And, and, And long about October, what does every kid give his mom and dad? Their list. And what is the list? Anticipation. It's expectation. That's what it is. Like, that is how you begin to posture your head and your heart and your life to receive. They talk about it. They make lists. They ask their parents. And by the way, when you, when you frame it like this, it feels like prayer, doesn't it? Think about a kid from October to December. Everything they do, it's prayer. Hey, Dad, I'd like this. Mom, here's my list. Here's what I want. Here's what I'm expecting. Here's what I'm hoping for. Oh, that's, I'll tell you what that is. That's not just family. That's prayer, y'all. Like, how do you receive the gift of the Spirit? Same way. Same way. Begin to look forward to it. Begin to expect it. Begin to let some anticipation build in your heart. Uh, number two. Number two. If number one is expectation, number two is, is hunger. Hunger. Uh, maybe you'd like to use the word desire. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Eagerly desire. Like it's actually good to want these kinds of gifts. How do you, how do you have a posture of receiving? Well, let ex- expectation and anticipation build in your heart. And then number two, a hunger and desire. Actually want it. Actually want it. Same could be said for the Holy Spirit. And then number three, postures for receiving, uh, humility. And when I say humility here, I'm not talking about sour-faced hand-wringing. And I'm not talking about poor me. But the humility that recognizes that there is a God and he wants to give the gift of his presence to us. And, And by the way, he wants to give us the gift of his presence apart from an earning or, or any sense of performance, not as a reward for perfect attendance or good behavior, but because he's a good father. Just, just the humility to know, you know what? I need to open myself up to God. That's it. Number three. Number three. Gifts are given. Gifts are received. But gifts are also good and precious. Good. Gifts by nature carry an implication of goodness. There's something desirable about them. There's something, there's something that we might call good. They are in some way precious. Uh, what's, what's your favorite gift that you've ever been given? I'll guarantee you that there's an element of goodness to it. Whatever, whatever your favorite gift is, I'll guarantee you there's an element of goodness to it. You know, if somebody gives you a dog turd on your birthday... If somebody gives you a dog turd on your birthday, it doesn't matter if it's wrapped up in elaborate paper with a bow. That's not a gift. You didn't, you didn't see that turn coming, did you? What can I do? If it gets in the notes, it, it gets spoken. No, it's, it's not actually a gift unless there's some goodness to it. Goodness is a really, really big deal. When I was 17, my father-in-law bought me my first guitar. 
And, and I had music in my life up to that point, but I didn't have songwriting in my life until that point. When I got my first guitar, I became a songwriter. And I've written hundreds of songs from that moment on. What? There's a gift, and it gave me actually something more. It like expanded something in my life. Uh, I remember when I graduated, I remember when I graduated, uh, my father bought me a really nice shotgun, like one I really wanted. I still have it. And here's the thing, it'll be in my family forever. It's like a really cool shotgun. It's like a bird hunting gun, you know? You, you pull it out, and if people know anything about bird guns, they're like, that's a really nice shotgun. <laughs> yeah. There's an element of goodness to gifts. And the Spirit is a gift because there's something precious about him. If Jesus, if Jesus is saying that he's the gift of the Father, you better believe that there's something about the Spirit that is desirable. Uh, you better believe it's good to anticipate it. There's something, there's something precious that's, that's about to be added to your life. Uh, when I was a teenager, uh, late teenager, 17, when I was a teenager, I was profoundly baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, and in that moment, I became aware of the presence of God in a way that I, that I had not up to, up to that point in my life. I became so convinced of the love of God in the moment, and it has remained. Like, like the gift of the Spirit is precious because it, it puts something into your life and onto your life that can't be taken away. And the thing that came into my life through a profound baptism of the Holy Spirit is that I am always and forever loved by God, that there's nothing I could do that would make me more loved or less loved. It's just, it, it, it just is. And this, this happened not just once, but it happened Many, many times. And, and not only that, the thing that I've realized is uh, now I'm 43 and I've lived a lot of years since those initial moments of being profoundly baptized in the love of the Father by the power of, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. But, but I've realized it can't be taken away. It's like when, when God gives you a gift, when he gives you the gift of his, his presence and his love, when he gives you gifts of ministry... It doesn't matter what's happening in your life, whether you're doing real good or whether you're doing really bad, it cannot be taken away. And, and by the way, guys, I've had some crap moments in my life. Uh, less hard than some of you in here, more difficult than others. You know, that's the way, that's the way people's lives are. No, no, no two lives are the same. But I've had some real low moments. And in my lowest moment, I could, I could honestly look you in the eye and go, you know what, there is a God and I am forever and deeply loved by him. Whatever, I don't understand it. I don't know how we got there, but I know there is, a, there is a God I am forever and ever deeply loved by him. This is, this is why the gift of the Spirit is precious and good. I, I know the signs of the Spirit at work. I, I know the feeling of God's love. I know the goodness of the Spirit's work in a group of people or a meeting. Like, how many, of you, how many of you have ever had an encounter with the Holy Spirit? And you're like, wow, what is happening? And then, and then maybe, maybe later, you, you walk into a room. It, it might be a church meeting. It might not be a church meeting. And when you walk in, you're immediately aware that whatever happened to you at a certain point in time with God and the Spirit, it's like in the room. Do you, does anybody know what I'm talking about? This is a very real thing. Like, I, I know what it feels like for God to be at work in a person, in a story, in a group of people. And when it's, it's, like, it's like having 
Uh, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Like once you know it, you can't unknow it. And it follows you around. It can't be taken away from you. It's a sign of his goodness and his preciousness. Those are, those are signs of gifts. Those are what it means. Gifts are given, gifts are received, gifts are good. But I, I want to land here. Through you and to you. One of my mentors in the vineyard is a man named Steve Nicholson. And Steve often says that before God does anything through you, he first intends to do it to you. And this is actually true. This is, this is what you see over and over in the New Testament, and it's what you see in, in people's lives if you investigate their story, that before God moves through you, he wants, he wants to do it to you. Like the things that he wants to propagate through your life in the world, he first wants to do it to you. He wants to make everybody in this room a dispensary of his love and presence. God wants to flow through us, but first he has to flow to us. God, God wants to, to share who he is with everybody in your family and in your neighborhood and in your school, but he can't do that until he first gets you. So before he ever moves through you, he has to, he has to move to you. He, 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 has to, he has to show up in your life in a profound way. Uh, how many of you know that you can only share what you've been given? And you can only give what you've been gifted. And we can only extend what we've been filled with. This is, this is the way it works. Uh, you, can, you can only give away the things you've received. Uh, you can only share the things you've been gifted. And before God can move through you, he, he has to come to you. And, and so that's what we'd like to do today is we'd like to just take a moment in this room uh, today and then for the next few weeks to make space that God would come to us so that in the coming weeks, months, and years, he could move through us. And so that we could live that New Testament story. That's, that's really the thing. We want to be people. We want to be people like Ananias in Acts chapter 9. You know, you're just on your way to work. God says, you know what? I'd love it if you'd go to Lebanon. There's a guy over there named Saul. He's been a real piece of work. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's in the parking lot at the tractor supply in Lebanon. And, and he's not doing great. I'd love for you to go over there, you know? Listen, that kind of stuff still happens, right? You know, God, God wants to move through us, but first he has to come to us. Uh, he, he, has to, he has to convince you in your most uh, secret parts that you are forever and always his and his alone, that you are the dream of his heart, that you were, uh, that you were his dream before you were knitted together in your mother's womb, that you have a purpose, that you're not here on accident, that there are things that he wants to do through you for Kentucky, for this city, for your family, and it can only come by you having something to offer. And it's called the gift of the Spirit. Uh, can I tell you something the world, uh, the world needs? The world needs people who have been gifted the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, the world does not need more people who are aware of the universe. 
Yeah. So? Like, what the world needs is people who have been touched by the living presence of the Holy Spirit. And we have to make space for that. God wants to move through you, but first he wants to move to you. So maybe, maybe this morning, maybe, maybe this morning uh, you, maybe you need to receive the gift of the Spirit. Maybe for the first time. Or maybe, maybe again, you know. Uh, maybe, maybe again. You know, one of the reasons we ask that God would touch us with the power of the Spirit over and over is that in the vineyard, we just know that like, we need to be filled with the Spirit again and again because we leak. You know, I, you, know you, get fi- you get filled up, and if you live life long enough, how many of you know that the container of your life probably has a crack or two in it? You know, if you're just being honest. Like, can I tell you all something? My life has cracks. There, there, it, stuff gets out. Stuff I wanted to keep. So I, sometimes I don't get to pour it out. It just leaks out, you know? Yeah. And so we need to ask that God would, would fill us again. Uh, God, wants us, God wants to use us from the place of overflow. Not overwork, overflow. God wants to move through you uh, to the place of abundance. And he wants to do that because he has so much for you. So maybe this morning you're here and you're like, you know, I've heard about the Spirit, but I don't know that I've received much in the way uh, of the gift of the Spirit or a profound encounter with the love of God, well, maybe that's a first-time thing and we'd love to make some space for you this morning. Maybe you have before, and I'd like to say, maybe you should again. You know? Maybe you should again. So if you're on the worship band this morning, come on up. And why don't we do this? Uh, everybody else, you can stand up. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.